This is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. It's Seattle Sports at Night. No Curtis Rogers today, but you've got Stacey Rost, that's me, and Jake Heaps also here in the building. What's going on, Stacy? Not much. Glad to have you back. You're on vacation. We missed you. Thank how, you. How was Cabo? It was okay. Just okay? It, well, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you why. I, um, I left with ten fingernails and I came back with nine. Okay. And it's not, we don't need to get into it. <laughs> it's fine. Um, <laughs> I just, I just, like, it was like Cabo one, Stacy zero. Yes. It was bad. Uh, well, I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, Curtis and I, we we were convinced that you weren't in Cabo, that you were just telling us that, and that you would actually pl- plan Watching this from trip. Afar. Yeah, pl- actually plan. No, no, no. Planning okay. a trip to go to England. Uh huh. To be to there. To see for- Megan. Yes, to see Megan and be there for the birth of the baby. Yeah. And that you were involved in their inner circle and just never yep. told us. That's that's what our conspiracy was. I will say I read two magazines about that were about Meghan Markle. One on the flight there and one on the flight back. And I was unashamed because that's <laughs> I I don't feel bad about it. You shouldn't. You shouldn't feel bad about that at all. I I hope the people uh, know that this is Stacy's first time hosting, which is awesome. Can't yeah. wait for that. And you're going to do so good that Curtis is going to be running back tomorrow. My hope is that I'm so bad that Curtis runs back tomorrow. <laughs> That's the plan. But Curtis will be back on Wednesday. You'll have all three of us, and That's we right. will have lots of Mariner stuff and UW hoops, too. Yeah, we'll be getting after it. But right now, we've got a lot of free agency stuff to go over, so let's go over it on the timeline. All right. Uh, so let's start off with, uh, obviously, they're all rumored departures because free agency doesn't officially start until Wednesday, but we've already got some Seahawks departures and Seahawks that have been linked to other teams. Let's start with cornerback Justin Coleman, who's expected to sign a four-year, $36 million deal with the Detroit Lions, which makes him the league's highest-paid nickel corner. Yeah, this one's tough. I, I, I seeing Justin Coleman go, I was really hoping that he was going to be able to stick around that Seattle if there was going to be one guy that was a surprise in terms of competing for top market that it was going to be Justin Coleman because I believe that he is a strong a huge value to the Seahawks in in the role that he plays but uh like when we saw Tavon Young uh sign a record deal with the Ravens that kind of put the nail in the coffin yeah, I was thinking that too. And then you saw the Seahawks then re-sign a King King, and I think that's when everyone thought, all right, this is this is going to be a tough one for them to retain Coleman. Uh, also linked to another team is running back Mike Davis, who's reportedly signed a two-year, six million dollar deal with the Chicago Bears. I think that's a cool story for him. I think I don't think I don't know. Were you expecting him to stay? I was expecting him to sign elsewhere. Well, I was expecting him to sign elsewhere. Uh, I think the Seahawks are very much in the mode that they are not going to extend themselves. I was actually surprised that they extended themselves as much as they did on Mike Davis last year, mm-hmm. um, and he absolutely took that opportunity and ran with it. And to see that guy from where he was, and I was fortunate to be there with him on the roster but he was at the very bottom I mean I'm talking he was getting the last reps in terms of the running backs and to see him uh, continue to keep working and and continue to be that steady force and be in the right place at the right time and uh, he took advantage of the opportunities that was given and man the Chicago Bears they're not sleeping on Mike Davis nope nope not at all and great guy too 
It's funny. Yes, yes. Worked hard. They'll get guy a good that, locker room Yeah, guy, guy that you uh, root for all, all the way. For sure. Uh, also departing, this one kind of broke later, was defensive tackle Shamar Steffen. So this, to me, is continuing that trend between Minnesota and Seattle, the back and forth. <laughs> so I don't know. Are the Seahawks going to see Sheldon Richardson? I don't know. What's going I, on? I, I, well, if, if, if the Seahawks keep going on the way that they are, I mean, Sheldon Richardson's going to be too much money that the Seahawks don't want to get involved. It seems like everybody that is around that top market value, they don't want to touch. Um, and it's, it, you know, we'll get into it later and we'll try and, to, try and diagnose as to why that's the case. But, uh, you know, Shamar Stephan going to the Vikings, there is a defensive line pipeline from Seattle to Minnesota right now. There's some kind of thing going on. I don't know what it is, but I'm not mad at it. <laughs> All right, next up, we've got a report from Ian Rappaport. Uh, Frank Clark will not be participating in training camp. He says uh, he won't be signing his franchise tag or showing up to training camp unless the Seahawks give him a deal that he has earned, I'm told. Uh, so we'll get into this a bit later, but what was your instant reaction? My instant reaction was this is exactly why uh, Brock Heward and I have been pounding the table in terms of the reasons why you need to sign Frank Clark to a multi-year deal is because of situations like this. You want to avoid these types of situations, and hopefully it doesn't come down to this, but it opens the discussion for more about Frank Clark. Do you keep him? Do you trade him? Uh, is the drama worth uh, in, in the offseason, the drama in the offseason worth all of this stuff and, and you know, getting into these uh, tough negotiations with, you know, these high priced guys, it's 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 a tough situation. And, and do you want that vibe in your locker room or not have a key player like Frank Clark that you're counting on not be there the entire offseason? Right. Uh, those are the situations that you want to avoid at all costs. No, for sure. It makes it pretty tricky. We'll get into it uh, in our next segment, but uh, we'll move on to Earl Thomas for now because he's also in headlines and you were expecting him. I was expecting him to potentially be linked to a team today, given that he's one of the big name uh, free agents. But right. uh, So he tweeted earlier today, feels like it's 2010, hashtag draft day. That was a great year. Uh, and uh, this is from uh, Marcus Mosher, who said uh, that Earl Thomas wants a deal of two years, 30 million. Oh, according to Atslater NFL. So, I don't know. Does that seem... I don't know that that seems that excessive. I think that you you drive the market you want, and then you see what you get. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you got to come out there swinging at the beginning and see what you can get. But I think for Earl Thomas to come out there and ask for $15 million a year uh, after you've had three years of off-and-on health issues, that's a tough thing to sell. And, and you are one of the greatest safeties to ever play this game. You're going to be a Hall of Famer, but your health is a major concern. So, in terms terms of your quality of play yeah it's probably 15 million dollars worth in that market but your overall landscape in terms of health play uh attitude does it match the 15 million dollars uh, i don't know and when that initial when that initial report came out everybody was saying no way yeah but now when you look at Landon Collins and what he got and some of these other guys. Uh, Tyron Matthew. Tyron Matthew. I think it definitely puts Earl Thomas right in that in that range from anywhere from 13 to $15 million, and we'll see what ends up happening. Well, and worth noting, I, I just saw this one, too, on the timeline, that with Tyron Matthew leaving Houston, they could suddenly be willing to spend big bucks for that safety. So Yeah. Uh, so the final one I want to get to, and Jake, this is really important, uh, and it's why I saved it for last. Okay, what is it? 
Alex Rodriguez oh. has popped the question. He and J-Lo are getting engaged. The biggest sports story of the year. There. That's right. That's right. Finally. Finally. It's early, right? I mean, yes. it's only March, but. Hey, it's, you know, I, I'm not mad at it. And I'm happy for those two. They look like they're a match made in heaven. But man, is that, did you see the size of that ring? It's huge. It looks, it looks like she has, it's like a car on her finger. It's unbelievable. It's the size of my whole thumb. Yes. I mean, I just, I don't know. I'm sure my wife saw it and it's probably not a good thing because it doesn't even come close oh, to that. Oh, no but, way. No know, one wants this. It's I, the most J-Lo ring of all time. J-Lo wants it and no one else. <laughs> now, let me ask you this. Is J, is this going to work? Is this, is this finally the one, the it for J-Lo? Because she's been engaged like five times now. I always say fourth time's a charm. <laughs> <laughs> but has she gotten past four? Is it four or five? This is four. This is four. Okay. All right. Okay. Four times a charm. Let's see. I hope so. I hope so. I like seeing those two together. Can I also say just a controversial sports opinion? Sure. Actually, I don't know that it's controversial because I think you share it. I think she's made him more likable. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. I never hear. We're in Seattle and I never really hear A-Rod hate anymore. I yeah. think a lot of that started uh, kind of after his career when he started doing TV appearances. Yes. But I don't know. I mean, well, I'm not mad at it. Well, I, I think as a player, he's always kind of been a unique guy that's just kind of put himself in in bad spots, either with what he says or how he goes about his business. And I think ever since he's gotten on TV, he's been around J-Lo. You've seen a different side of him. And, and I think it's a side that people can uh, gravitate towards. So I'm sure there's still a lot of Seahawks, a lot of uh, Mariners fans that are very bitter about Alex Rodriguez still. Don't don't they get us wrong. It. <laughs> they will not forget don't it. Don't think we're over it. I will, I will never forget that moment being in that stadium when Alex Rodriguez came back and the money is just flying everywhere in that stadium. It was unbelievable. Uh, is but, it for that reason that you're going to decline an invitation to their wedding? Yes. I figured. For that reason only. Not I, to be rude, but I cannot attend. Exactly. I, I'm sorry. I know you guys really, really want me there, but not this time. That's that's rough, Jake. That's rough. All right. Well, coming up next at 7.15, we're going to talk about what the Seahawks should do with Frank Clark, considering that recent rumor. And there's a couple options, but I've got to iron a few of these out. Okay, let's do it. All right. Live from the Alaska Airlines studio, this is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. We got a problem, Jake. What's that? Well, according to Ian Rappaport, uh, Frank Clark might not report to training camp. So if you're the Seahawks, what do you do? Yeah, that's uh, it's not good. I mean, this all stems from Frank Clark not being uh, not getting his multi year deal, his multi year deal, and and having to uh, deal with the fact that he's going to be a franchise player and or franchise tag player and. The thing that was interesting about this was that Earl or uh, Frank came out and initially was you know throwing out there on Twitter that man I'm blessed you know uh, there, there's you know basically seeming like he was happy about the situation and and everybody kind of put to uh, everybody was nervous about what he was going to say on Twitter and everything was positive. Right? Well, and not only that, but his agent I feel like did an interview. With ESPN, or maybe it was a report, but I feel like it was on the record where he said, we're not afraid of the franchise. Yeah, they did that earlier this year, right? Yeah, so I think the thought was like, all right, well, I mean, either way, you're going to have a player that if you franchise tag him, he's fine with it. Yes. Or you work out a long-term deal. Correct. And, you know, and that's the part where 
now with this coming out, this report by Ian Rappaport, where you, you have to assume that it's it's being linked from Frank's agent coming out now that all of a sudden he's unhappy, that he is not going to show up for anything. Uh, no OTAs, no mandatory minicamp, no training camp. They are just going to simply have him through the season showing up uh, as as they get prepared for the season. And uh, that is something that you don't want as a franchise. You want to avoid that at all costs. And and now you've got a guy that necessarily that isn't about the team. He, he set himself up this last year, took on a leadership role, uh, stepped his game up in multiple ways, and now you've got a guy who's, who's looking at this from a business standpoint and saying, I have to take care of myself, the individual, my brand as Frank Clark, as the player and also as a uh, guy who's trying to make more money and get long-term security. So I can't knock him, but at the same time, you look at this, and I was nervous about the situation leading up to it, hoping that the Seahawks would get him done, get his deal done before mm-hmm. the franchise tag, uh, so that we wouldn't even have to worry about this situation. I felt like he earned it in every aspect, uh, but you know the Seahawks have decided to go down that road, and we'll see what happens by July fifteenth. Yeah, to me, I had a I had a couple thoughts coming out of this. The first was surprise. Like I said, I uh, I thought based on those comments from his agent that that they would be fine to kind of ride this one out. Um, but I mean, then you got to think with the franchise tag, he's not obligated. He's not under contract right now. Correct. So it is a bit different from Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor, uh, who were contractually obligated to show up to those and then were fined for not going to those. Um, right now, Frank Clark is operating on a different deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he hasn't signed the the franchise tag itself yet. So, uh, and then, like you said, my second thought is, yeah, and hopefully they uh, they can work this out. They have another what four months to get this done, like a July fifteen or so deadline to to get a long term deal done. Yeah. Um. So this may not be the tone of the entire period of time waiting yeah. for that to happen. Um. But again, I mean, you kind of wonder about the incentive behind it, which. To me, is just to stress uh, how valuable I am off the field, and and how important yes. it is for me to be there. That's one thing. And another is to say, and I don't know that this is the reason behind it, but this is something that I think if you're a fan, you're asking yourself. I think the first thing I'm seeing from fans is anger and and resentment, or well, then trade them somewhere else. And I think that that's just a normal reaction that you see whenever stuff like this happens. I think. Yes. Unsurprisingly, fans tend to side with teams. But do you really want to trade him or or get someone else for him? He's one of your best <laughs> players. Like, just think about this. Yes. And I'm not just saying this as an obvious thing. I'm saying this. You have something that's a sure thing with Frank Clark. Mm-hmm. You know he's a talent. Right. He's one of the premier pass rushers right. in, in the league. And he has shown that. Uh, and and also he has displayed himself as a as a great leader in this locker room that is still growing and evolving and still getting better. I think that's the thing that this guy's not tapped out. He he still has way more to give, and he has that freakish elite talent to be able to get uh, 15, 16, 20 sacks mm-hmm. in a season that just most guys don't have. Even if you're able to get a guy on a value deal, uh, there are guys that can get 
you know, seven, eight sacks a season at still great production, but never have that elite ability to just totally dominate a game in every aspect. And that's what Frank Clark can do for you. And I think the other people, I think the other thing that with Frank coming out and saying this, initial people coming out, like you said, being mad instantly and saying, well, get rid of them. But I think it's also gotten people to think about this a little bit more and say, do we really want to give Frank Clark a 17 to 20 million dollar contract you know you have russell wilson coming up you know that his contract is going to be massive astronomical right it's going to set the market and are you willing to pay a quarterback and a defensive end two players essentially somewhere around 30 percent of your cap and is that is that worth it or is that crippling to your ability to then make a Super Bowl run? I think that's what people are asking and now going in that direction. And my answer is simply that if you look at the free agent market right now as what's happened today, the top market is being set at a totally different level. And uh, I, I believe that you're going to have to make those uh, in key spots, quarterback being one of them, mm-hmm. pass rusher being another, those are two places that you absolutely should be willing to spend money on, especially after Pete Carroll, John Schneider have talked about Frank Clark in the way that they have. This is a guy that they absolutely still want in this building. Now, let me ask you this, Stacy: If you were to trade Frank Clark, what would you feel is proper compensation or that you would feel okay trading him for? I mean, I would want... I don't know if it's crazy, but I would want at least a first rounder. I don't think it's crazy at all. And then another pick. For a non-exclusive franchise tag, isn't it two first round picks no matter what? Yes. But I, my thing is, you don't know if a first round pick is going to pan out. Yes. And you also, you have to wait. <laughs> I mean, that's right. what it means, right? Do you have right. that much confidence in the young talent that you have now? I think who Seattle has, I think guys like Jacob Martin and Rasheem Green, uh, and I'll throw Jaron Reed in there too since he's still got a year on that deal. I think those guys are really promising. Reed obviously stands above the rest right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know that you're in great hands if you lose your top pass rusher. Yeah, to me, you have you have no leg to stand on in this situation. It, 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 to me, you would have to be able to get a first-round pick and a third-round pick in compensation for Frank Clark. That That would, to me... Make it uh, make it seem bearable because right now, like you just pointed, you don't have anything to back up Frank Clark, and that's why Frank has so much leverage in this situation. He has all the leverage right now. You don't have anybody else to replace him. You don't have young talent that mm-hmm. you're developing or that's promising right now. Jacob Jacob Martin is a tweener right now. He's not a guy that can play the run as dominantly as he can the pass. Right. And he still is growing as a pass rusher. Uh and, and so that to me is Frank's a no-brainer. If you're going he's a guy as a no-brainer that you're going to retain and if you're going to trade him, you better get a heck of a lot for him and it better be a high first rounder, not a low low first rounder. It's got to be a high top 15 type first round pick. Um, and I don't know if they're going to be able to get that that kind of value for Frank Clark. They may or they may may not. But uh, that's where I believe that getting a multi-year deal done with Frank is, is better. And to wait, and I've heard this too, well, the Seahawks don't want to be the ones to set the market. They don't know what the market is. I don't want them to wait to set. No, because you think the market's going higher. Exactly. If you look at franchise tag trends, which are the 
average of the top five salaries for pass rushers. It's grown faster. I mean, I think it was like eight years ago, wide receivers were more than pass rushers. So in that small amount of time, yes, already pass rusher or defensive end is the number two position behind quarterback. Trey Flowers just signed a, what was it, $16 million per year deal with Detroit. Yeah, that's the market. The market's only going up. This isn't like housing where you're kind of waiting for it to fall a bit. Yes, that's a million dollars behind what what Frank's franchise tag is. So if you if you just base it off of Trey Flowers, Frank, his market value right now is absolutely in the 18, 19, 20 mil per range. And if I'm the Seahawks, I want to set it at that. I want to try and get Frank for 18, maybe 19 per year because if you wait for somebody else, it's going to be 2021, 20, 22. That's the way that this thing is going. So if you're going to wait to see what else everybody else is doing, I think you're losing and you're better off trading. If you're willing to come out and get that first deal done, I think you're winning in the grand scheme of things. For sure. And we'll see what the next couple months hold and keep an eye on that deal too. Uh, coming up next, we're going to take a step away from football for a little bit. Even though we got a lot going on, because we got some comments from Felix, we're going to talk about. Jake's got some thoughts. All right, let's... some strong thoughts. Yes. All right, that's coming up next. You're listening to Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Rost. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio on 710 ESPN Seattle. This is Seattle Sports at Night. I'm Stacy Rost. With Jake Heaps. You know, I was listening to the shows when I was gone, and yeah. I noticed that Curtis always introduces you as the quarterback. <laughs> and I thought, what should me and Curtis, like, what should ours be? Yeah. Does he do one for him? No, I, I asked him actually during the break one time. I was like, Curtis, what what do you want to be? Right. Like, who right? who do you want to like, be? Like, you've dubbed me the quarterback. Right. Like, that's my deal. Like, all right, cool. What do you right want to be? And Curtis was like, ah, I don't know. I got to think of something. And I'm just like, come on, man. Like, what what is it? He just he couldn't give me an answer, so I feel like we have to do that for Curtis. I like, think we've got to give him something really good. That's what it is. Is you can't know. nickname yourself. Yeah, and you also can't really assign, you know, like who you are. That's yeah. just who you are in the group. People know it. Right. Yeah. Like I feel like he's the captain. Like he's the he's the one that's steering the ship. I don't know. Oh, the I don't know. captain. We, we got we got to we got to figure out something. The captain to me, I mean, it makes sense, but I don't know. I don't know if. If Curtis is going to feel comfortable with that, but I'll be I the mean, parrot. The parrot. <laughs> <laughs> you you got to have something better than the parrot. I know. We, we, That's we gotta, all I bring. We'll, we'll dive into this during the break, but we're going to find something for you, Stacey. Definitely. But you guys can tune into those shows. Any of the old ones you want to listen to, uh, you can listen to our show via the Seven Ten Sports app and if by you, your Puget Sound Acura dealers. And if you guys have any ideas for what Curtis and Stacey let should be, know. let us know. We might we might consider it for sure. Seven Ten Seven Ten. Tell us. We'll hang on to them. Make them nice. Actually, no. Send us the mean ones, too. Let us know. Uh, no, but let's let's get into some Mariner stuff. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, I heard this quote yesterday from uh, Mariner's pitcher Felix Hernandez, uh, and it kind of stuck with me. So I want to talk about it because okay. it's just it's just it's kind of the period at the end of our conversation mm-hmm. about where Felix stands with this franchise right now. So I'm going to play you this sound from Sunday. You're not going to start opening day. Are you upset? Yep. What, what was your reaction to it all? <laughs> uh, got no comments at all. Were you surprised? I know what's going to happen. You're not going to pitch. Looks like it's a little bit into the season. Where are you yep. at with that? I mean, how, 
What do you want me to say? No. Exactly. How you don't know either? So that was Felix responding to questions about his placement in the lineup right yeah. now, or uh, pitching rotation. Uh, Marco Gonzalez was given the opening day start. Was that the first time since, what, 2012, maybe? Uh, yeah, I, I think can't, so. I can't think yeah, of it Yeah, it was 2012. 2012. Bedard. Bedard started. Yep, yep. And uh, and uh, Felix, I think, comes in at fifth mm-hmm. in that rotation. So Comes at the very last. Yep. And, and uh, it, obviously, you could tell... The frustration that Felix Hernandez has, the angst that he has about this this situation, and um, it, for me, it's just kind of a reality check. Mm-hmm. And for Felix to be upset about it, I don't know if he truly is, uh, That's because where I'm how at with how it. can you how can you not understand this position? The ball club is moving in a certain direction, and the way that you have been pitching the last three years, what makes you think? that you should be the opening day starter? Is it because of everything that you've given the first 10 years of your career uh, and how dominant you were and your King Felix and this and that? Is it just arrogance? Is it pride What like, that leads you to be genuinely upset and frustrated? Mm-hmm. Or are you frustrated with yourself? That's what I'm trying to figure out because if you're genuinely... If you're frustrated with yourself, I get that. I understand that as a player, being disappointed in who you are and you have reporters asking you these questions and you don't want to answer them. It's like, look, I've lost my stuff. What do you want me to say, right? But if you're upset because you're prideful and arrogant and aren't coming to terms with reality that you aren't the pitcher that you once were, to me, that's amazing. And I it, it frustrates me and bothers me to no end. Yeah, no, to me, that would be, I would be dumbfounded of just kind of like, well, how did you, what? But I, do, I mean, I think it's the latter. And, you know, I've got to ask Shannon when she gets back from spring training, she's in that locker room every day uh, to really gauge kind of what the mood was like. But when I'm listening to the audio, when he says, when he's asked, you know, well, what did you think about it? And he says, well, I saw it coming. Yeah. And he knows, um, you know, he's there. He watches Marco and the other guys. And and I think that he knows, especially after last season, when they asked him to change and when they were working on getting him to change all year um, and he didn't quite respond the way that they wanted to. <clears throat> I think that they, you know, like everyone kind of knew it was coming. He almost had a year in advance to know, like, you know, next right. year might be a different story. Yep. And uh, it, the whole thing to me is is more of just being disappointed at yourself uh, at the situation rather than expecting that you would be the day one starter. And I mean, never having been a professional athlete, shocker. Yeah. It doesn't, I've never been able to understand the feeling, but I can completely empathize with feeling like you're failing with people watching mm-hmm. and it would be awful. Right. And it's, it's hard to not be mad when that happens, even if it's not entirely yourself. Right. Yes. It makes you feel angry. Right. Yeah, it, it is a frustrating feeling, and and also it's different in terms of baseball and being a pitcher because you know you have you're reliant in entire you know the ten, first ten years of Felix's career he was reliant on the defense behind him he was reliant on the the batting to help give him support and runs and it just wasn't there right mm-hmm. and that can be extremely frustrating but your success as a pitcher was noted. Right. It's the one it's the one pitch. It's the, one of the one places that you are ba- you are being judged on your individual performance and the wins and loss record wasn't there. 
which can be extremely frustrating for a pitcher of that magnitude, of that talent, not get credit for the dominant effort that you're giving on a you know, start-to-start basis. And I understand that. But everybody knew in Major League Baseball that Felix Hernandez was truly one of the best for 10 years. My biggest frustration now, when I look at Felix Hernandez and his legacy, I have mixed emotions on it because he gave so much and was such a dominant player. But when this team was actually primed and ready to make a legitimate playoff run and had the pieces around him, he was nowhere to be found. He tanked in every aspect. Would you respond differently, do you think, if there was maybe a different attitude during it? Like if physically he wasn't there and couldn't respond. Yes. But he was a presence otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think his attitude has everything to do with it as well. You know, the last 3 years there was always excuses. There was, you know, I'm nicked up, I'm banged up, I'm this and that, but there was no willingness to change or to adapt in his game. He kept pitching the same way as his velocity in his fastball was declining. And you have to adapt as a pitcher. I mean, how was Jamie Moyer another Seattle Mariner legend. Keep those careers going. He kept long. his career yep. going forever yep. because he adapted. And he never was a tremendous fastball pitcher and and never and didn't really have to change his game that way. He always had to, you know, work the strike zone and and you know, be creative with his other pitches. But that's a guy who who got it, who understood it. And Felix still to this day doesn't get it. He has not made the necessary changes or seems to be even willing to make the necessary changes to uh, try to get himself back on track. And especially the two years when he had Robinson Cano, uh, Nelson Cruz, he had all of this talent around him who were working their butts off to try and make a run. He wasn't there for them. And I don't understand why this fan base as a whole doesn't hold Felix Hernandez accountable for that. Is it because and and it generally it's because oh well he gave us all these years and we didn't give anything to him. Well yeah absolutely but now that doesn't work that you can just have ten years you can you it's can't not like just, a layaway or yeah, not a layaway it, but like a credit thing we're like right. well I built up some forgiveness yeah exactly it's not like in a in a marriage where all of a sudden I'm working making the money right right and then I turn around and say well hey I've been doing this for ten years now it's your turn. Like it doesn't that that doesn't work like that. Yeah. And and so for for Felix, it's it, oh, it's my time to drop off. And now the team, the rest of the team's got to carry my load. Uh, it, it doesn't make sense. And to me, it puts Felix's legacy overall in question. I'm going to remember all the great things he did. For sure. But the way that he's left in the last three years and how this season's finishing uh, will be fascinating to watch. But I think it definitely will taint Felix's legacy if he is a complete um, burnout, and I don't know if there's a team out there in the major leagues that are going to necessarily want to touch him if that's the way this thing ends. Yeah, I don't know if I really don't know if Felix can can fix what's happening on the field, but I think that you can cap off that legacy and you can cement that legacy by changing by making sure you have an impact off the field. And I don't know what that impact is right now, but you look at where the Mariners are as a franchise, and that's what they need. They need that more than you going out there and winning games. They need uh, someone who used to be an ace in that clubhouse with young guys, and young guys that revere him, young guys that look up to him and think, this is Felix right. Hernandez. I was watching him when I was 16, 15, you know, 13 years old, depending on how young they yeah, are. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
and I think that that's the way to go, right? Well, unfortunately, Stacy, that's just not the way that Felix is going to approach this. Yeah. It, it just isn't. And that's the thing that's that's really a bummer. And that's the way Ichiro has approached this is that, that is stance. Is to be that more exactly yeah, a presence. Yeah, a presence uh, in helping the other guys around him. Uh, whereas Felix is going to absolutely, if this, is, this doesn't go the way that he wants, he's going to burn out and he's going to try and do whatever he can to disrupt what's going on. Uh, in, in this ball club right now, and that's disappointing. But I, I would love to have Felix be around for the entire year for him to see a um, rejuvenation of his career, and there's an opportunity for him to do that. But all signs point to, unfortunately, it going the other way. All right. Well, we're going to get back into some football with Four Down Territory next. He's Jake Heaps. I'm Stacy Ross. This is Seattle Sports at Night. Live from the Alaska Airlines studio, this is Seattle Sports at Night. Tonight with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Ross on 710 ESPN Seattle. Got Seattle Sports at Night with me, Stacy Ross, the parrot. Stacy the parrot Ross. That's just as Jake, <laughs> Jake, the quarterback Heaps. Uh, Curtis, we, the we, Captain Rogers is not here we, today. <laughs> We we tried it, okay. We threw it out that there, Stacy. It just, yeah. Oh, I, I just, oh, I liked it. You're you're better than the parrot. I don't I don't know that I am. You are okay. absolutely. You are. I'll try a different We're one. We're selling next ourselves time. short here. All right, all right, that's fine. It's okay. At least you know we've we've got the opportunity here to just kind of throw things out there. And uh, it just didn't, yeah. I mean, we're going to find something good. That's Stacey. the thing. It's like my forte is football here. Yeah. Right. I write about the Seahawks. That's right. And uh, unfortunately. I don't know. I mean, don't worry. Don't worry about okay, the don't quarterback thing. Don't overthink, don't overthink it. Just let it this. Go. We, yeah, exactly. Here we go. Don't put pressure on yourself. We're, it's just going to come naturally. All right. Well, I am going to utilize your skills as a quarterback right now. All right, let's do it. Now it makes sense. So we're going to get into four downs. We need some of your knowledge. This this is four down territory on Seattle Sports at Night. You got deep, 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 deep. All right. I hope you're ready for these. I'm ready. I worked really hard on them. I know you did. Just bring it, bring it on. It took Stacey. me minutes. Bring it. Minutes, I say. All right, let's get into this with question one. Number one. What non-Seahawks free agent signing could have the biggest impact on the Seattle Seahawks? Yeah, I, I think that it all points to the linebacker position. Uh, obviously, you know what Russell Wilson's market's going to be like, and that's not going to change. You knew that he was going to set the market uh, and probably going to be around $35 million per year. Uh, that's what everything's turning to. But more so is the linebacker position for Bobby Wagner. And the one guy that I look at that I saw reported is uh, Anthony Barr. Anthony Barr said it slated to go to the New York Jets, and his contract was anywhere from 13 to $14 million per year. And if Anthony Barr is getting $14 million per year, Bobby Wagner is certainly going to get more than that. And that is the one guy that is going to absolutely set the market when his deal, when his time, when it's time for his contract extension to come around uh, in the near future. So to me, for the Seahawks, that's the guy you're looking at. That's the number because you're absolutely going to keep Bobby Wagner. See, I went linebacker too for the same reason, and for KJ Wright. Okay. His, I thought it would be kind of like a like a positive aspect to it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I was looking at Quan Alexander, who signed a four-year, fifty-four million-dollar deal with the 49ers. So he's now making about thirteen-five per year. Mm. 
So, yeah. uh, again, it, it's below Anthony Barr, but it still raises that level where it's, well, you don't want to be anywhere near the 13.5 if you're Bobby Wagner, yeah, the cer- number one linebacker in the league. Certainly does. Ab- uh, absolutely. Yeah, but I also thought that, um, you know, we were talking earlier about the markets that uh, the big-name veterans like K.J. Wright and Earl Thomas base. And I think the general idea was, you know, it's a thinner linebacker market, so it's going to be better for K.J. Wright. And it's a tough safety market, so it's going to be tough for Earl to get what he wants. Yeah. And I think both of those things still hold true, with the exception that I think, I wonder if the Houston Texans are now a bit more desperate than they were before. Um, But otherwise, I think this is good news for K.J. Wright. I think that, you know, you would love to see Seattle retain him. um, But if they can, I think that this helps him. Absolutely. The only thing that holds K.J. Wright back in this scenario is the fact that he had an entire year where he was battling injuries. That was That's probably the one thing holding KJ right back. Uh, I, I personally believe that it's an aberration. I, 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 if I was to put stock in KJ Wright, I'd be willing to put stock in KJ Wright, just knowing him as the person, as the player. He is an all-pro player, uh, and when he's on the field, he is a massive difference maker. So if people can get past that injury from last year, KJ is set to make big money. And if they can't, that's the only chance the Seahawks have of retaining KJ Wright. Number two. What I'm really curious about, were there any free agency mistakes today? To me, the the one that I look at and go, ah, I just don't know if I can get on board with this particular signing is the Raiders. No, not Antonio Brown, but the left tackle position. And I believe that Trent Brown was a guy that got overpaid. This was a guy that really struggled in his initial uh, years and then got to the Patriots, and they were able to get a really good year out of Trent Brown. And he is a massive human being, uh, and maybe the Patriots in that experience was the the thing that he needed to turn around his career. But you just never know getting a guy that has a one-year as a you know maybe he's a one year wonder and now that he has got this big time money falls off and that's my big concern for the Raiders maybe he's a great player and he's a staple at left tackle for years to come but if there's any one of those guys that I've watched over the course of today that's that's the one signing that I see that could maybe end up being a bust is that just the Raiders having money to blow or is it a tough tackle market I I think it's a tough tackle market honestly and that they need to protect Derek Carr uh, that's that's more what I attribute it to. But uh, it, it was funny. Uh, Drew Rosenhaus was talking about the negotiations for Mike Mayock and, and Antonio Brown. And he said that, man, Mike Mayock is one heck of a negotiator. He made it really, really tough. It's like, ah, doesn't so seem far. like, yeah, so far it seems like he's making, uh, he's willing to uh, set the market at every position so yep. far. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how it pans out. So... I, uh, I I feel guilty about mine. Okay. I, <laughs> Why? I, here's the deal. He seems like such a nice guy. But I said Nick Foles. And what I will say is there are 32 teams and there are not 32 franchise quarterbacks. Right. Every year there's going to be a team that overpays for a quarterback and either he gets injured, he's not what they thought he would be, or they were just forced to pay that much to get a quarterback that they knew would lead them to like eight or nine wins, and that's just how it goes. Yes. Um, I don't think that Nick Foles is like an eight-win guy. I think he's been 
been playing well with Philadelphia. Um, I just think, you know, we were talking about this a bit earlier, that this does make it trickier for the Russell Wilson deal. Yeah. And this just continues to set that market higher and higher. Um, And I also do wonder what Foles would be like as a starter. That's what I right? I cannot wait to see that. Do yeah. you start Blake Bortles, bring him back, start Blake, and then be like, <laughs> oh no, he was injured, Nick. That's right. It's huge. Everyone's pretending. That's right. Like yes, test anxiety. Exactly. You got to think that there's no stakes. Yes. You got you to let him come out and play, you know, loose. And that's that's what I'm interested to see is now Nick Foles comes out. He has a different responsibility, a different role with a locker room that was very contentious last year with a, a bunch of voices on the defensive side of the ball that are not afraid to speak their mind. And I, I do believe that Foles is going to come in. He's going to stabilize that unit uh, just from his calm demeanor and the person that he he is, but also the fact that you you can't get any worse than what Blake Bortles did last year. You really and, can. and if if Foles can be you know around middle of the road in yeah. the NFL in terms of the starters, I think that's going to be a big boost for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I agree. Maybe they just need to. Maybe Blake's going to come back and do well, or maybe it's that whole kind of like yeah. I think like when I was my first job was a waitress. Uh huh. And the day that I quit was the best I've ever been at that job. I was getting orders left and right, ringing stuff up without a calculator that I'm, I'm pretty sure was right. I don't know. Who knows? I was confident. Yeah. There were no stakes. I was done. Right. That's the mindset he needs. Number three. Could the Seahawks surprise us and make a big move? They certainly could. They cer- it would be surprising. Yes, they certainly could. Su- be, uh, they could. They certainly could surprise us here. But I, I honestly would be surprised if they ended up making a big move with a big free agent signing. They have seemed to me that they are committed to trying to keep everything under control. That they're maybe a little gun shy to go out there and, and get a big free agent signing, and more looking to get value deals. And so that's what I expect for them to kind of sit back and wait and see what happens at the top end of the market while they're looking at the you know mid to lower market seeing if there's any kind of Michael Bennett's out there that they can yeah. get to a one-year signing uh, that they could turn into a uh, big-time player to me that's the direction I think they're going because they have to uh, be careful they cannot go and spend recklessly when they have Russell Wilson Bobby Wagner Jaron Reed mm-hmm. and they need to get someone they need to get help at their guard positions they've got some holes that they need to fill and they have to be really smart with these decisions yeah I think right now is when you lean on your scouting and the info you have and you hope that you can get another Bradley McDougal, right? Yes. Another guy that when when he was signed, people were waiting for the big-name guy, uh, and he ended up being one of the best guys in your secondary, and not only that, but a leader on your team. He was an absolute steal. Yes. Uh, just knowing Bradley personally, uh, from being teammates with him at Kansas and watching him at Tampa Bay, I couldn't believe that we got him uh, on the open market for that cheap. Uh, and him willing to come in and be a backup to Earl Thomas and Cam yeah. Chancellor. And then once once he started playing well, we then re-sign him to a deal now that's worth pennies compared to everybody else out there in the league when Bradley McDougald is absolutely a top-flight safety in this league, and he's proven it. Um, so those are the types of deals, Stacey, that, I'm, that I think the Seahawks are going to try and look at. And I do believe that they are extremely confident in their scouting, uh, and they've been very successful in those types of signings. So expect them to do more of that this coming offseason. Number four. Out of the remaining Seahawks that are still on the free agent market, which player do you believe the Seahawks need to re-sign the most? 
Ah, this is this is really hard, Stacy, because seeing Justin Coleman go was really kind of a gut punch. Honestly. Yeah, I actually, I, I was like a 60-40 that they'd re-sign him. Did, really? I think so, but I think I was that was optimistic. Yeah, I, I knew I knew that there was a a slim chance of getting him to come back, but I still was really holding out hope. Um, the guy that, and really, I'll say two guys. The two guys that I firmly believe that they need to re-sign is going to be uh, J.R. Sweezy and DJ Fluker. Now, if they can upgrade at the position and get guards that are better than them, then great. That's awesome. If they're willing to spend a little bit more than those guys and, and spend three, four, five million dollars on a guard, then sign me up. I'm, I'm all for it. Let's let's still commit to having strong guard play, uh, being nasty in the run game, and pass protection for Russell Wilson. But if they're not, then I think DJ Fluker and Jared Sweezy are going to be enough of a value deal that you bring those guys back and you keep continuity amongst that offensive line and commit and say, look, we're going to run with the five that we had last year. We're going to give this another shot, and we are going to try and physically beat you up. And to me, that that's what I want to see happen. I think that is the most uh, valuable thing for the Seahawks right now, and that should be their priority. And those are the guys whose fates are still up in the air with Seattle. Uh, we're going to be talking about the actual free agent departures uh, that the Seahawks are dealing with now, what those might mean coming up at 8.15. But next, we're talking Antonio Brown. AB.